Well, all right. We are here in the second hour of Barbarian in the Valley on WMUA Amherst. That last hour, I have no recollection of any of it. I just about all of it. Who let that happen? Not me. Not me. Not I. Now, I have to start on a kind of sour and sad note. Not total depression, but I was told by Waylon that he was going to pick me up in the orange van, port me across the valley, and that I was going to understand for once the inner workings of Vanessa, where he would park, what choices he would make. So I was waiting downtown Northampton, waiting for him to pick me up. He comes into the tea house. We have a nice conversation. Then he says, where's your car? He had walked down to Northampton, depriving me of the ability to see what Vanessa does when it hits the UMass campus. I actually wanted to test the psychic and spiritual and physical nature of this, thinking that what if I'm in Vanessa when Waylon parks it? Will we get a ticket then? But no, he says, where's my car? So we have to go and get my car, my beautiful 2014 Chevy Impala LTZ, which unfortunately takes on a lot of water. It's its only massive defect. And we cross the valley in my car, and what do I do? I show Waylon how Cody does it, the BIQ. I actually park in the parking garage when there can be five other cars in the entire campus. Right now, as we speak, I am being charged for parking when the campus is totally empty. That's how you do it, Waylon. That's how you become a citizen. Now, you talk a lot about being a good citizen. It's always about showing up at meetings. But you know what a good citizen does, Waylon? A good citizen doesn't steal parking from the University of Massachusetts campus. Any thoughts? So, I just want to... So your mic is not on. Damn it! Your mic is not on. I thought it was! Your mic is not on, and you just can't get that through your head. And that's what it is to be Waylon. Waylon is a mixture of someone who parks illegally but and is somehow tech-savvy, but just doesn't understand that his mic is on. Is off. Now, when we come back, maybe, maybe I can be convinced to put his mic on. But we'll see. Let's listen to a little bit of music, and we'll be back in a minute. And we are back after a little bit of tension in the studio. Waylon, thoughts? Okay, first off. Do you okay, see your mic is still that? not on. It's blue, but it's actually not lifted. So let me put you on. There you go, Waylon. What's up? Am I on now? I think you are, although I can't really hear you that well. Oh, you're mic three. Hold on. Uh, that wasn't on purpose. There you go. Oh, okay. Well, that so, would be good, though. You know what? If there's ever going to be a time where somebody gets a ticket, it's going to be today. Because what... Norm has not told you is that the great Impala, the beast of the Impala, is now taking up two spots and that he was over the white line and he got out. And not only that, but he saw that he was on this. And when I say that there's no one in this parking garage, I mean, we're talking like 
Might like, be a couple of cars. You know, three o'clock in the morning, Deep Throat comes out of the darkness yes. and just shadows. So, like, there's no one around. And he parks right on but that's the, the right white time line. to do that so did you pay for two parking spots mm, oh i see it's an ethical thing is that what you're talking about isn't yeah. if you're going to do a bad parking I'm, job it's when no one's in exactly the- and i'm in a 15 minute loading zone okay so i push my 15 minutes a little bit i play i play with the numbers right there mm-hmm. but you're actively what are you accusing me of just so that we're clear of willful negligence I mean, we're bordering on um, reckless endangerment in the in the car. So I don't see how that compares to you blocking a loading zone every time you come. Well, to first the show. off, it's it's taking up the loading zone. Okay. Well, yeah, but that's essentially blocking a loading zone. Okay, there's two loadings. Now I'm gonna give up too much information right yeah, now. Yeah, I think they're, we gonna, they're really honing in on my coordinates. Right. I mean, Google already knows. So you break into my Google account, you can oh, figure this Google out. knows everything. Oh man, it's no question. It's scary. I'll tell you, just as a side note, I've listened to a couple podcasts, and they do Google forensics on these people. Yeah. And they know everything. I mean, it's, it's I'm not committing any crimes right now, but boy, if I was, I would definitely turn my phone off. Oh, yeah. And then that's even suspicious. You well, know, like, it's so better. now you, all of a sudden, it's like you have your phone all the time. Well. <clears throat> but in a way, it's like, you know, the triangulation of the Boston bomber. Like, they piece together through every single business, you know, the the security footage, exactly what happened, exactly where that kid was. But this, I have to say, there's a podcast out there, To Live and Die in L.A. I haven't listened to that. I listened to so many podcasts. It's okay. It's okay. It's a good story. I'm not crazy about the narrator, but it's interesting. And I'll tell you, the forensics on this guy's phone, and everyone's really involved. They just know where you are from the second that you leave and it's really all google so that being said you blocking the loading zone in a time in which things could be loaded now i just want to tell the audience right now that it's actually this is a pre-recorded segment so we won't be taking phone calls and it's also strangely eerie because we're here at the station yeah there's no one here it's 9 30 in the summer on the umass campus we tried to get food there's no food (laughs) (laughs) we're in the basement of the main building even it, the snack machine was thwarting our efforts. And there could be like a nuclear blast and we wouldn't know about it kind of thing. It feels really kind of lonely and desolate down here. So I just want to give that context. Oh, yeah, for sure. So usually you're blocking a loading zone when things could be loaded. I'm in a totally empty, as you say, deep throat, Watergate parking garage. No one's there. But I think we should probably move on. Yeah, agree to disagree. We are different people, you and I. We, well, we we were just at a tea place, and we all we almost argued over the semantics of the proximity of <laughs> another teacher's house to the school. <laughs> so, I mean, we could talk about anything for this is true. forever. This is true. But this week, we're gonna shape a cult together. Let's is that it. right? Yep. We're like putting our differences aside. Well, but there's so much that binds us together too though yeah, we're like more, a venn way diagram. more than way more in common <laughs> we're like a venn diagram so there's this part that we're not uh that we don't have in common we have so much in common including delusions of grandeur megalomania kleptomania um necrophilia yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in my mind too <laughs> was that so there you go see that that's if, the overlap if, that's the overlap if not in actuality it's at least a go-to kind of joke <laughs> for us so I thought it would be fun this week to actually go ahead and design our cult because we have spoken about Wild Wild Country before, which, by the way, I'm watching for the third time. 
Oh, beautiful. It's such a great documentary. Absolutely amazing. And I think we're both interested in communes and cults and stuff like that. And I do have to say, in all seriousness, it does seem like a solution of a kind to uh, problems in society. I, I think that the stranger the cult is, the more affirmation that there's actually something even stranger going on in larger society that would force somebody to worship a paper cup or something, whatever weird thing that they've decided to do together to me is, yeah, sure, that's strange that they're doing this, that they have this kind of setup, but it's really a commentary on how, like, um, difficult society can be for a lot of people, that they're willing to suspend their disbelief so much because they're really getting something. By the way, on a side note, it's funny, we, ta- we had that decline of religion episode mm-hmm. where you talked about kind of leaving the Catholic Church, but it occurred to me after that you... And some of my friends from New York, who also were brought up Catholic, you're still very Catholic, actually. That you, yeah. You, I, I, how can you not? No, your I mean, your, your experiences are okay. what embeds your right. identity. And but I just want to take it one step further, and I'm not just talking about um, content or something like that. But you have a Catholic way of thinking. Yeah, I think I would, you're, I would, you're I would, theologically I would, yeah, Catholic. I would agree with you on that. Which to me is exemplified in um, a certain code of honor. And very kind of Baroque and Byzantine code that's only known to you, <laughs> yeah, like a lot true, of the time. True. No, and it's really true. And I don't yeah, doubt no, that it's sure. a code of honor, but it seems to shift, or like I can never totally put my finger on it in a way that um, feels Catholic to me. And this is not a slight against Catholic ca- no, Catholicism no. necessarily, but it's theologically Baroque and complex in a way that Protestantism. Pro- I was brought up Protestant, if you want to call it that, but I do think I have a more Protestant mind. And there isn't, like, complexities, and, and uh, there's some codes of yours that seem very rigid and some that feel very relaxed. And, yeah, and I, I think that's, that's a Catholic thing as well. I think that's a blending of both of those. But I think that what ultimately, for me, a religion is what you take, you extract the principles in which you've um, – which have – been meaningful to you and of course when you grow up and you're hearing these stories what I never wanted to do is fall into a story of um, doing something because I thought it was going to um, uh, be bad for God I want to do something good because it's good for the community and good for me too and things like that so if you can ex- if you can extract that stuff and you can interpret not just the strict interpretation of any religion and I'm talking about every single religion if you can interpret it yourself and rectify that in yourself in a positive and meaningful way, that I mean, that's I just stopped doing all of those before I could really fundamentally grasp those. You know, it was right when I'm hitting and just incorporate it. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that piece. And eh, I don't know about that. Right. And we talked about this, and I'm I have a, a fair level of skepticism, but and we did talk about that in that kind of like buffet style kind of belief system. But what, I, what I'm trying to say, and I think you hear me, is that you're genetically Catholic, actually. Like, your DNA is Catholic, and so it's always through a lens of a Catholic worldview. I'm not talking in the specific, but like almost like it's like your mechanism is Catholic. And again, yeah. I, I really don't want this to sound like a, a negative thing. Yeah, no, no, but no. It's no, just I'm not something it's I have that you yeah. really remind me of my friends Chrissy and Danny Leo and Andy McCarthy and Gary Keating down in Jersey City. Uh, who went to Catholic school as well. And I admire it. Like, I kind of like it's. It somehow has that free-range Catholic, you can come to the confessional, but 
there are things that you should come to the confessional to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's a little bit involved. <laughs> now, that being said, um, and I don't know about my own kind of, I, I probably am in a highly relativistic, I was actually brought up in a very humanistic household. So I'm probably very relativistic and I'm willing to see things from any point of view. And there's really weaknesses to that too. We're going to start our cult. How do we start our cult? What is it going to be based on? Who's going to be in charge? I don't really yeah. care. I had we, to remember this. I had to remember this all the way through the car. So I, let, well, me get, let me get this out okay. right now. I had this idea that popped in my head and I didn't tell Norm the entire way here because I was like, I got to save this oh, for the show. I got to save this way, for the show. It was right at the you, end of the drive, but whatever. You are the deity. Okay. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, whatever we want to call you, right? You are, you are head honcho. And the reason being is because with today, I mean, we were just talking about Google, right? The digital footprint in society nowadays makes uh. it such that it's going to be very hard for, for true humans be, to become these mythical you know, I get deities it. that we I've have. I've been off the grid so long. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I, when you were born in 1850, yeah. you know, and yes. you freed the slaves, <laughs> you know, you have that under your belt and we have no pictures of it. <laughs> right. Wait, but that's a weird tangent. But what are you actually saying here? What I'm saying is that you, every single piece of um, You're actually my talking life about from why you can't 13, be. Right, and I'm talking about, I'm using myself yes. as, you know, just a well, microcosm. Well, you're the other the option. Thing. It's either you know? me who's the deity oh, yeah. or you. Who the hell else would it be? Ronald <laughs> McDonald? Listen, all you need to start anything. The cult of Mac? <laughs> uh, the only thing you need to do, well, we could do that, but and it's, you know, but the only thing you need to do to start anything is to have two people. And one person has to point at the other person. It's like Alice's Restaurant. Is that how Alice's Restaurant goes? No, but there's a part at the very end, and you go in, sing a line of Alice's Restaurant, walk out of a psychologist's office. If there's two people that go in, he goes, they'll think they're queers, and they'll kick both out. But three, three, you have a, you have something going on. Okay. Four, imagine four people, it's a revolution. Oh, that's in the lyrics? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Thanksgiving, that was always played at oh, Thanksgiving. Got, I'd listen to it every Thanksgiving. Yeah. So... You're basically saying you can't be the deity because you have such a uh, media footprint, uh, and like an internet have, footprint. I have an off-kilter temper- temperament. But that's good. But that's that's what I'm thinking. Um, um, the Bhagwan, he, had, he totally destroyed everything because he went off-kilter. If he didn't call, um, what's her name? I'm forgetting. Sheila. Sheila, a B-I-T-C-H, you know, like... He had everything going, and all of a sudden, he, well, he brought things, down his he society because he came long. off he I came know. off kilter. And why was everything on kilter? It might have been off kilter for him, but the dude didn't come outside right. for years. That's true. So all of a sudden, we we get you. Why well, everybody say, sees you? Then say, you retreat. Yes, and then we just put you up in a nice pad. Well, you should probably. And I don't. This feels a little dark right now. But <laughs> you should probably kill me. I mean, like after we establish the cult, and but don't tell anybody I'm gone, and then just get rid of me, and then like kind of like, you know, you can have like a like a stuffed like really quite realistic dummy because it would yeah, be good but, to remove the center. But then you can't play telephone. Like that's 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 very key to it because you still being alive is playing this kind of um, Mohammed esque thing. 
because everybody knows that you are human and everybody knows that you're um that you're there might be some spiritual you know supernatural stuff going on but you're a human being so when you die it's going to be a tough sell to say no. okay no that's now he's talking to me oh world. hey what's going on no that's the best Anyway, no, the point is is that you, you – you, okay, again, this feels really strange. You <laughs> kill me or get rid of me, and then – but you don't tell anyone I'm gone. Because if I'm – like if the Bhagwan – that happened to the Bhagwan, he never would have showed up again. That is a problem. I have to say that I feel like the Bhagwan's biggest mistake was being petty. You know, he seems so petty. That's, that's my problem. That's, yeah. that's the off-kilter that I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's a very he specific showed that he's human. And you yeah. can't show that you're human. Now, here's the reason why you should be the deity. Because you want to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now that I've set up the tra- now that I've set up the actual, yeah, give it to me, I'll die. I've set up the actual transaction. <laughs> now that we've agreed that one of us has to disappear, let me tell you why it should be you. No, actually, let me tell you why I think you'd make a bigger deity. I cannot, I think, tolerate sycophantic behavior. I, I cannot. I, that's the big block. On starting a cult for me is I cannot, I just don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good. I think it makes you feel good. Yeah, I would. You I would like say I would, I'll be more generous, God. <laughs> well, I think you'd be a more demanding God in some ways, for sure. I mean, that's the problem. I think that there would be certain instances of wrath, like, oh man, uh, it goes back to that honor thing. You know, yeah. if you betray, betraying me is wrath one thing. Is good. You know, you I, can I can rectify, I can resolve. I'm I, okay I, with know. wrath. But if you betray the the greater nature of the of the community for your own selfish deeds, that's, that's and that is a little bit. You're, that's like a Catholic. I no, feel like that's a much more Catholic thing. Yeah, actually, and I've heard you talk about it. But, I'm just waiting for you to do that. I feel like. There were times that you've been ready to kind of do that to me. Really? Yeah. What do you think the closest was? I think like oh like uh, like I, if I don't go to graduation, I feel like you're oh, yeah. a little bit like yeah, it's, it's that thing. You're not totally ready to like <laughs> of your life. Oh, wait, wait, wait. First off, I can. There's always a path for redemption in <laughs> this. Okay, right. there's always a path for redemption. That's right. That's that's one of our mottos. That's that's one of our founding principles here. Okay, but I'm, your wrath is good. That works. You want some wrath, and I believe me, I can do wrath. I can do wrath probably better than you. I mean, honestly, because I'll just go dark and quiet you know it's our good cop bad cop thing well ex- yes but here's the thing i really do i do you know i thought like okay i could be a cult leader you know that might suit me really well but i would really have trouble people blowing smoke like that i would just i couldn't respect somebody for that and i think they would feel that <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah they'd yeah, be yeah. sitting there worshiping me and i'd yeah. be like uh, you turd why <laughs> yeah. are you worshiping me that's just but so, i think yeah. you could survive that so i th- i think that what we're what we're talking about here and i mean and we're talking kind of tongue-in-cheek about all of this but there were yeah. there would be certain earnest principles <laughs> you know like, that's how it starts but one of the things is that this would have to be for me super super um pragmatic to the point of religiously pragmatic <laughs> like I would be able to sit down with you, like, <laughs> like I don't it's know, too like bad this isn't television. Like folks. you are the weakest link, like almost like a like a real reality show, and be like, listen, <laughs> That's your listen, cult. you have betrayed everybody, 
you have um, you have taken up two spots <laughs> in the U.S. Parking. The parking garage. <laughs> but you would be gone so fast. Unless you were in charge, <laughs> yeah, no, for because sure. Because you transgress. I, I play, I play loose with the rules. Oh, loose, very loose with the loose. rules. By the way, quick side note: I had a great idea for a reality TV show years ago. Really cool idea, I thought, and it would be like something that MP, like PBS would do. And it was a reality show that the people in it wouldn't know that the way to win it was the first person who left would win. Because you would be consistently asking them to do things that were really unethical. And, oh, and a, like the Milgram experiment. Yes, like the Milgram experiment. Okay. Exactly. Like the Milgram experiment, but like set in a reality TV show. And that the winners would actually be the people who first were like, I'm not doing that. I'm not okay with that. And you would escalate what you're asking these people to do. And then the person who survives at the end. <laughs> I, love, I love the entire premise. But it's a, one, loser. it's a one episode. It's just a one-off episode. Why is episode. it a one episode? No, it could totally be, it could totally be a season. What, okay, so what are we talking? I mean, there's people eating cockroaches on Fear Factor. <laughs> like, no, but they're going well, on. Well, that's different because they're subjecting themselves to it. But I can imagine a scenario that you could create a reality TV show where people would be doing... Um, successively worse things to each other and then the person who survives the end is the loser <laughs> you know they're the ones who ethically failed just as a side note yeah so you want it to be relentlessly practical that sounds frightening because that has a that just the way you were talking about it has a kind of totalitarian vibe to it it you know i think i'm, I'm selling it I'm, i think i'm selling it wrong i think that what i do i'm, I'm usually relentlessly positive and it might not be the fact that I something being a jerk, okay? Yeah. Um, but at the at the end of the day, like having that conversation and moving on is so so important than glossing it over. And I feel like there's so many times where it's like in religion, hmm. it's all this convoluted way of dealing with that way of going. Hey, you're kind of a jerk. Let's 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 get by this, but you know, like you're you're treading on thin ice, can and we can that be, might be friends, and you can relieve yourself mm. of all of. If you carry that debt, huh. if you carry the burden of um, um, a guilty conscience, it's bad for you. If you carry contempt for somebody, that's that's bad for the community. Yeah, listen, uh, it's really interesting you're talking about this because you and I both agree with this in principle, and I think both try to do this as much as possible. Perhaps you more than I have more opportunity to do it. But what you just elaborated on is something I really believe in. Like, yeah, let's duke it out. Let's just have a terrible fight about this. And that doesn't mean we break our attachment or sever our attachment with one another, necessarily. But can you, let me ask you, because I can see where that would go wrong and has gone wrong before. You are, you are creating a primacy on truth-telling and honesty. True. That could go really bad. Can you see that? Yeah, but then you excommunicate everybody that's lying. <laughs> but that's everybody. <laughs> yeah, but then... We want this thing to actually function. <laughs> you, you're, the lifespan of your cult is like four weeks. <laughs> We're going to get 12 people, and you're going to excommunicate 10 of them, and it's going to be two of us again. That's so it's a camp. One. It's a summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> summer camp cult. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. That actually... Join a cult for the summer? So they have these... Have you ever heard of this? They have these adult summer camps. Yeah, I've and kind of heard of things like that, like rock camps and like imagine, fantasy baseball stuff. And imagine the imagine something like that where it's like you 
it, like what we haven't talked about is all the fun activities that we have in our cult because we need fun activities. So like when I was um, just thinking about that, like say you have like this Duke out phase, right? One of the things that you have to do rather than go back and meditate, you have to tickle each other. <laughs> Is this an actual thing you're talking about? No, I'm making this up right now. Okay. But, you know, like, you have to sit in a room with somebody until you both laugh at the same thing. And I, I just said tickle because, I don't know. Oh, but, well, you be know. specific. I mean, is it tickle or you both have to no, laugh at I the same No, I think the tickling thing? would be, you So know, what, you put on a, like, uh, Judd Apatow movie or what do you do? <laughs> yeah. So, huh. like, something. Why? Because it's so easy to lie about that, um, the communication that just went on. And it's so easy to leave that with negative sentiments. <laughs> and so if you are laughing with somebody, like, huh. it's really hard to stay mad. So this is why I think that this is why cults get in trouble. <laughs> for tickling. For well, yes. For tickling, tickling matches. A tickling could definitely end well, that, up. That's, that, that's what bag the bag one. It could end up violent and it could end up in all kinds of ways. But... um it's just interesting because anything that you do, anything that you say and you put a value set on and say, this is really important, can then be twisted into something totally different. So, for example, <clears throat> going back to your, let's just truth it out and let's fight. You know, that sounds almost Maoist. You know, it's time for you to denounce yourself again, right? And there's a lot of that in cults where it's like, it becomes a tool, a leverage tool, a power. It's not like you with your students like really wanting an honest relationship anymore. It becomes whoever can hold everyone else's feet to the fire long enough is the most honest person here. If you're, if you're making honesty the primacy of our cult, I, I fear for its safety. You know, I don't know if that's actually a sustainable value. I would, I would say that... Which what, might point yeah. to why religions do obfuscate and kind of keep things... There's a lot of grease between the wheels, right? Yeah, but that's exactly why I think that, you know, a lot of places are hemorrhaging followers. That's not why they're hemorrhaging followers, my friend. You're telling me that, and I'm going to go back to the Catholic Church on this, okay? Yeah, I'm telling you're you. Tell, what is more real, God or molesting priests? So when you are confronted with a, br- and I mean, that's kind of well, dark yeah. one, but a brutal reality that you cannot shake and that the grease on the wheels of the religion is not really owning up to or addressing or taking responsibility for or f- solving that is where the honesty the lack of honesty at the core foundation of your religion makes everything fall apart well that is such a big one and so complex and etc and it does happen it does happen with many belief systems but, but I mean, I'm look at look at look at a lot of different ones. Look at Mormonism with um, with um, uh, what is it? Poly, um, uh, poly polygamy. Polygamy. There we go. Um, and look at uh, you know the kind of uh, this is extreme, but Sharia law with beheading of people. You know, some things you just can't. Sh- the realities of you can't shake. And in today's modern society, when you try to find reason in religion on some of these things. You're going, mm, I don't know. Doesn't sound like you're being honest. Okay. But I, I want to go back to your primacy on honesty. I don't know. I mean, I understand that large institutions have corruption. They, they, they take on all kinds of corruption, and there might be some fundamental flaws going on in the construct of these other belief systems. 
there have been times, I think, where honesty is put in the primacy of the system, and it also runs into real trouble, too. That's my fear. So you, you yeah. we're working together. We're trying yeah. to make this cult work. Yeah. And you're pointing to, like, well, that doesn't work. Dishonesty doesn't work. And this, you know, the lack of transparency doesn't work. And I'm sitting here saying, well, I don't know what you, if you're saying works either or if it's something in between. Well, that, so there's lack of transparency and honesty are two different things. Because the things that you omit are not necessarily lies, but they're not necessarily things that you want everybody to know. Like, we got stuck on last time when we were talking the Rolls Royces. So there's two ways you go about that. One, you just have Rolls Royces, and you kind of just have them. They're just something that no one ever talks about, and you just don't know the transparency about the finances of the institution and the cult. Or you go, this is this is needed. This the, the you know our our Bogwan the, the you know the Cody Bogwan or Waylon has a good drink to that the Cody Bogwan the Cody Bogwan <laughs> it does he needs these to get around because he's going to see a lot of people and it's you also know, you know, a stature of our cult right, right right do you know what the Bogwan said because I actually had that piece. Um, on one of my shows, I said it to music with where Osho, who that's the Bhagwan, yeah, yeah. talks about. He's being interviewed, and they say to him, "It's a great piece, actually." He says, um, "Why do you have so many Rolls Royces?" And Osho says, "How many?" And he says, "Fifty." And Osho says, "Something like seventy-eight, you know." <laughs> and my people want that for me. They want that from me. That's his explanation for it. It's not that I have to like, and he says, I only drive it for one hours. And yeah. I only do, I don't need, I absolutely don't need any of it. But my people want to give it to me. That's a really interesting kind of. And that could be true. And that could be oh, honest. It totally can be true. You know? I mean, it's, they, they absolutely love him and adore him. And what, are you not going to give a, a, a God-like figure everything? I mean, there's temples, there's shrines, there's. I'm convinced the Bhagwan didn't want the Rolls Royces. Oh, he didn't want the Rolls Royces? He was rolling around in them. I think he didn't want the private jet? So it depends on, on how conscious Bhagwan is. Private jet's a little different. But to have 78 Rolls Royces, like, I, no, I don't actually think he wanted that. But I think, I think, that, it's a, I think that it's a status symbol. I, I think, think that he a, saw that he as saw an accumulation of his, of his being. I think here's the alternative. The alternative is that he understood correctly that what these organizations do is they help people displace f- money mm-hmm. and ego. And yep. that the, the person at the center is a container for ego and money to go into and that they have to accept that because that's what how they're leaving. That's the alleviation that they're giving their followers is that they have too much money and too much ego. Yeah, but what are they getting out of the deal? They're getting spiritual happiness and, and, and camaraderie and community and all these things. Yeah. See, this is where it goes. This is what I would never. This is where I think the Bagwan went wrong. You take seventy-eight Rolls Royces and you convert that into something positive, meaningful in in your um, in your cult. And I'm saying that that can be selfish too. I'm saying it's just a huge, horrible waste of resources. It's not being politically correct in the situation. It's not playing your cards right at all. Because all you need is one Rolls Royce, and then you can build your city a little bit better, or even 
get a get a little bit more high powered in your so diplomacy sure. for the for the town or buy the town a new and the pharaohs and the 70, pharaohs should never have built the pyramids right no that that that's where they i mean that's building something that we appreciate nowadays so if people are getting appreciating them right then then you're doing you're you're washing your hands clean of the entire thing and you're getting a sweet sweet place to go <laughs> and, and go to the afterlife or i'm not sure that the people building the pyramids felt that way about it they may have yeah but they're not in a cult i mean they're not jingle you know they're not singing jingle jangles all the way up the thing that was that they was entirely different now listen this is interesting we're going to do a musical pause i do think that this idea that i mean having a rolls royce was an absolute necessity for cult leaders for a while like how interesting is that a British yeah. automobile, an uh, uh, automobile of the height of the British Empire, right, of power, maybe not the height of the British Empire, but a symbol of British aristocracy becomes an absolute necessity for so many cult leaders or and commune leaders and, and group leaders at the same time. Interesting, yeah? Meanwhile, the Volkswagen simultaneously becomes a symbol of peace designed by Adolf yeah, Hitler. Yeah. I mean, this is the weird world that we're living in, right? Now, we will be back with Mr. Whalen, or the deity, um, the whale dog, and, or myself. The Whalen Bagwan? That that doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound as good, no. The Cody Bagwan. We will be back in just a second. That's a ring to it. 